Star Tours announces the arrival of the Endor Express. Once we've had a chance to service the Star Speeder, we'll begin our boarding procedures. Thank you. May I have your attention, please? At this time, I'd like to take a moment to review our boarding process with you. Hello, I am C-3PO Human Cyborg Relations. Welcome aboard the Star Speeder 3000. Proof of ownership. We droids are made to suffer such indignities. Stand by for final systems check. W, w Radio. You're in Hello, my friend, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 680, and together we're going to celebrate the magic of the Disney parks, movies, and more here on the podcast, my weekly live video on Facebook, community events, social blog, and more. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and find everything else at www.radio.com. So I was honored and incredibly excited to have been invited to record an episode of the show live in front of a studio audience at Star Wars Celebration 2022 at the Anaheim Convention Center this past weekend. And this week, I'm going to share that recording as we look at living your Star Wars story in the Disney parks and beyond. We'll look at the history of Star Wars in the parks, current opportunities, and how they may evolve into even more interactive, immersive, and personal experiences. Then stay tuned for our Disney Trivia Question of the Week where you can win a Disney prize package and more updates at the end of the show, including a very special giveaway for the exclusive limited edition Diamond Collection. You'll have to stay tuned to the end of the show to find out exactly what it is. If you're a Star Wars fan, I know you're going to love it. Also, listen for more updates, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Good morning and welcome to day four of Star Wars Celebration and the live recording of WW Radio. This is when I'm waiting for people to get up and go, oh, I'm in the wrong room. I'm, this is not the Bad Batch panel. I am Lou Mangiello. Thank you so very much for being here. I know there is so much to choose from in terms of other sessions and panels and show floor that's going on. So I am incredibly grateful to you and for you for being here uh, as we talk about living your Star Wars story in the Disney parks. And since that very first seminal moment back in 1977, when that massive Star Destroyer came across the screen and I can see myself sitting in the theater in Middlesex Mall watching with my dad going, what is going on here? Um, I think we were all literally like fundamentally changed forever. Um, we were taken somewhere else far, far away. And it sparked in us, I think, a new storytelling experience, not just as passive observers in a darkened movie theater, but individually as well because i think because from that theater we asked our parents or we rode our bikes to toys r us or to sears and i mean there was no action figures actually on the shelves because we had to mail away a postcard and hope that they came in the mail but <laughs> metaphorically um we we brought home so many of those newly familiar names and faces and as many as as we could and then 
after ripping them off the bubble card, I'm sorry to all of you collectors that are shuddering, and if we knew back then what we know now, um, and we laid on our on our stomachs, right, on our big shaggy carpets in our basements, and we brought those characters and those stories to life. And we weren't just recreating stories that we saw on screen. We were coming up with our very own. And I think oftentimes those made-up adventures that we created uh, took us off the floor um, or even outside. Yes, kids, we used to actually go outside and play. We didn't always just play on our phones. Um, and we took our Han Solo blasters, of which I still have my original 1977 one, um, or even... Am I the only person that took the Christmas wrapping paper tube and pretended that they were lightsabers and beat our <laughs> brothers around the head and face with, right? But we wanted to immerse ourselves in these stories, right? We weren't playing, you know, cops and robbers anymore. We were, in fact, creating and living our own Star Wars stories. And if you fast forward many decades later, we're still doing the same thing, right? Many of you in this room are, are doing it right now what a lot better and oftentimes way more expensive toys. Um, and in fact, we don't have to do that in the comfort and to a certain degree sort of security of our homes anymore because we can be there. Because the Disney parks around the world, with the help of Imagineering and Lucasfilm, have afforded us the remarkable, I, I think when we were kids, an unthinkable opportunity to step foot into worlds we only could have dreamed of. So today, we're going to look at living your Star Wars story, Star Wars in the Disney parks. And while I may have spent many, many hours by myself imagining that I was Obi-Wan Kenobi, I mean, as late as last night, uh, I cannot do this alone, so I would like to welcome, and I still believe, in ladies first, <laughs> Becky Menken. She is the, according to her note, she says, I am the CEO and empress of oh, MEI wow. and Mouse Fan Travel. Uh, listen, I'm reading what you going. wrote me. I was totally wondering where you're going with that because I am never surprised, but always surprised at the same time. It's great to be here. And I'd also like to welcome back to the show, Ryan Donahoe from the Forcecast. Thanks, Lou. <laughs> Thanks for having me back. I'm excited to be here. It's been a great four days. Uh, I just researched Star Wars last night, so I watched the first one. So. Well, good. We you're should be ahead. good. You're way ahead of Becky. So this we is should great. be this good. Is yeah. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Now I see um, where this is going all And day I would long. also like to introduce you to the fourth member of our panel who is not here. This is my son, Nicholas, who decided that he needed to go to the Bad Batch instead. <laughs> uh, I know. Oh, poor Nicholas. The poor kid felt so bad. I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. Go check it out. There is, there is years of Catholic Italian guilt yes. coming Nicholas's way. <laughs> he has no idea what he, um, what he is in for. So... You know, before we sort of get into it, and I want to talk a little bit about some of the, the history of Star Wars in the Disney parks, um, I think everybody's level of fandom is different, right? But we've all sort of imagined playing Star Wars in, in our own different way. Becky and then Ryan, what is your earliest Star Wars memory? Ryan, remember, we only have the room for about an hour. Okay, okay. <laughs> For me, it was like you in 1977, seeing the first Star Wars, and what really struck me was Princess Leia, um, her strength, her character, having this very strong woman, 
as a, as a role model was kind of amazing at that time. And I really kind of wrapped my brain, my brain around that memory and it has, has gone forward with me. I saw it with my family in the theater and like you, that very first time seeing the little spaceship go and then all of a sudden this huge spaceship just goes over your head and the technology, the, the hit of that technology was kind of amazing. But most of all, it was Princess Leia and that, um, that projection of a very strong woman. It's okay if Princess Leia was yours too, Ryan. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. No, that's the only movie I've seen. So, uh, no. But my, I'm unlike you two. I'm a little bit younger, so I was not around in 1977 when that movie came out. But I was five when the special editions hit theaters in '97, and I still remember my dad, who was around in 1977, uh, was so excited to take me to the theater to see Star Wars, same Star Wars he saw in '77, and we went to Taco Bell where that's where the tie-in material was. And so we got, my dad just bought all of this stuff from Taco Bell and we got like four large drinks for two of us because the cups, he wanted C-3PO, he wanted Darth Vader. And uh, to this day, I still have those cups sitting in my office because he washed them out and he did all this. And uh, as soon as I was, that was like really the first movie I ever saw in theaters or at five years old that I can remember. And ever since then, that was, that was it for me. And I've been hooked my whole life. Um, and then the prequels came out, and I was even more hooked. Those were my movies. Uh, and now, you know, several decades later and several thousands and thousands of dollars later, uh, it's still such an important part of my life. And, you know, I, I live it and breathe it every day. Yeah, I, mean, I remember for me, like, I was very fortunate. I had a younger brother and, and parents that were incredibly generous. And, you know, I was, I, I still realized that what a, how lucky I was to have those toys to play with. More importantly, I was lucky enough that my parents bought two of everything. So we played with my brothers and I kept mine. So I have all of my action figures like still in their boxes, carded. And yeah, so it's good because my kids are going to college next year. So it's fine. I need that. Um, But I also remember like when the prequels came out, who else ran to Toys R Us at midnight and stood online for hours? Like I'm going to pay for my kids college. I'm not paying for my kids' college education with any of the things from episode one, um, as much as I thought that I was. Um, but we do. We sort of have this gift of being able to not just do things like this and live our own Star Wars adventures and stories with other fans, but we're able to do it in an environment that's created for us in the Disney parks. First trivia question of the day, and yes, I have giveaways. I'll let, well, I'll do, I'll do it this way first. This is not the this is not the trivia question. This is just and then I'm gonna ask you a question for a prize. What do you think was the first sort of opportunity in like the Disney parks, like in Walt Disney World, to experience Star Wars like with something that was hosted by Disney? Star Wars weekends? Nope. Start was not Star Tours. Anything else? Anybody else? Was there like a stage show? It was not a stage show. So here's the trivia question. You actually could meet a Star Wars character in Walt Disney World back in 1977. Who was it? Raise your hand if you think you know. I mean, look, there's not, it's 1970, there's not a lot of characters to choose from. Not even close, but close. Anyway, I mean, literally, just start naming random characters. Who? Which one? No, I'm only kidding. It is Darth Vader. Can, wow. you, can you do me a favor? Can you bring that nice young gentleman back there? A Thank you very much. 
You could meet Darth Vader in the Lake Buena Vista Village, which you now know as Disney Springs, in early 1977, like in where the pin station currently is. You could meet Darth Vader. And actually, you could meet Luke Skywalker sometimes. And Mark Hamill was even there. Oh, no way. Way. And they gave out posters and you could actually get them to sign it. It made no real sense, but that was really... So very early on, there was this sort of Disney and Star Wars um, connection. And I think over the years, you know, and Lucas has talked about if there was ever any company that he would want to work with or trust his properties with, it would be um, Disney. And actually his first sort of connection in, in working with Disney was Captain EO back in September 86. Captain EO fans... For those of you listening at home, the room is, there's about 600 people in the room, but they're very, very quiet and very, very far away. Um, and then Star Tours, right? And then when we, when we got Star Tours, um, it was amazing. And who, so somebody mentioned earlier, who remembers Star Wars Weekends, right? Star Wars Weekends began back in 1997. It was a sort of a one-off event. Then they brought it back in 2000, 2001. And then from 2003 to 2015, they had these incredibly well-themed weekends. Whoever attended Star Wars weekends, like it was a destination. Like I still live in New Jersey and I would go down specifically for it. And I think it certainly helped lead to the eventual um, acquisition. But from a, 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 from a living our own story perspective, I think it was one of the first times that we were as guests encouraged to come in costume and come in character and sort of allow, let your fan flag fly in front of other guests as well. Yeah, that, that what, what's funny is you talk about Lucas. He was at Disneyland the second day it opened in 1955. And when they were doing Star Tours, uh, he was talking to Tony Baxter, Imagineer, and he said, my fondest memories as a kid was waiting for the monorail to come pick me up and go see what I was going to discover that day. So ever since that day in 55, Lucas has always wanted to have Star Wars in the Disney parks because he thought that was the best place to put it. So he kept going back. It was Captain EO, then it was Star Tours, then it was Star Wars Weekends, and Star Wars Weekends was like, we're just going to turn you know, MGM, Hollywood Studios, into basically a mini Star Wars celebration. Dress up in costume, actors on a stage, and it was so popular. There was lines overnight. People would sleep overnight on the, on the concrete in the parking lot just to get an autograph because they were so excited to see these actors. It was a brand new thing. The first Star Wars Weekends was before the first Star Wars Celebration. So that almost paved the way for, for these type of events. And it too. was a relatively, as though, even though it was crowded, it was a relatively intimate experience. Yeah. Like even sort of getting celebrity autographs around Echo Lake, like the lines were not... You know, they are here. Mm. There was not a giant hall that you had to queue in for 11 hours beforehand. <laughs> Beck, you ever do it? Well, you know, I, I didn't get a chance to do it way back when. It was pretty recently, like the last three that they actually had. And it seems like the, the perfect marriage of, you know, Disney tells stories so well. And you take that and marry it with this, this Star Wars universe that... Um, have the two collide. I do remember and loved the 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 dance party. The what was it called again? The hyperspace hoopla. Thank you. Hoopla. And I 
the last time I saw them, I kind of thought, oh, okay, it's kind of cute and hokey, yay. I really wish I knew that that was going to be the last one I was going to see, because then I think I would have looked at it a little bit differently, because I would love to see that again. Right, because who doesn't want to see Darth Vader twerk on stage <laughs> with Prince? Because and, exactly. and it's not that far. Who, did anybody ever not, like, ever see Hyperspace Hulu? It's not all that far from the truth, right? The last couple of years were very freaky and a yes. little bit more like we sort of would look at you like is Disney really putting this on because this is not necessarily what I expect and there was all these sort of weird mashups of characters right. the you know Jedi Mickey and, and Leia Minnie and some of these things which we'll never see again right at some point there was this decision like wait a minute we need to take this seriously again and we need to sort of stop sort of putting you know Boba Fett doing the, the sprinkler dance or whatever on stage <laughs> nobody's recording this right nobody's running <laughs> the visuals that I'm doing up here um, but it, it was this sort of first foray into allowing us to not just participate in things like you know the the the, the films that were being shown there and you know I always wanted to be because I fit the height requirement like the the uh, trials of the temple, the, the Jedi training that kids were allowed to do, like grabbing a lightsaber and being taught by other Jedi, and then Darth Vader comes out, and there's this, like, we all wanted to do that. We yeah. all wanted, we were craving what they eventually delivered, which is a non-passive experience. Yeah, how many times did we stand there as adults and go, I want to do that, when you watch the little five-year-olds and six-year-olds going up there, but I, I wanted... I stood there going, and I'd point yeah. to back going, that's my mom! Yeah. Like, I swear she said I could do this! <laughs> Yeah, but that that really speaks to um, the impact it had on all of us. We wanted to be part of that story. And they continued on. There was um, after-hours themed ticketed events. There was parties. Uh, Did anybody ever do The Void in either Disney Springs or Downtown Disney? Again, an unfortunate sort of victim of what happened over the past few years. Uh, Anybody ever do a, a, a Star Wars run Disney race? I, I can't raise my hand like I've been there, like I've waved to you as you've mm-hmm. gone by, but I've never actually run it. But let's sort of fast forward to where we are today. And we'll start with the thing that was here first, which is Star Tours. Again, we can visit all of these planets. We can visit all of these different stories. We can shop for costumes and merchandise. But it really is a passive experience. And while it, the attraction by design uh, affords us opportunities to easily expand with new worlds and new stories, I think what we as fans have always been craving since those early days with in 1977 is something, and I think where we had to go next was something that has to be more experiential than sort of that passive. Yeah, Star Tours was um, easily the, the coolest attraction that Disney Parks had ever done up in that point, like 1987. Because like even then, you would go and go to Fantasyland and like sort of go through Snow White but there were like these little you know animatronics that would turn and then it would be over and it was like it was like three or four minutes this attraction was taking you somewhere that everyone had always wanted to go so you'd never been able to go to uh, Star Wars before right when, when that came out in 1987 everyone was trying so hard to capture that you'd buy all the toys you'd buy the soundtrack you'd buy everything you can find Star Wars t-shirts because you wanted to, to go there but you couldn't, and so when they brought this attraction there, it was li- they wanted to go literally where it was like when you board the the Star Speeder, it literally feels like a, you're boarding a plane because they wanted you to feel like everywhere you look was you were literally going to Star Wars, and so it was so popular they had to leave it open for like 60 straight hours because they wanted everybody to ride it. So you're right, it was very much 
like a, a passive experience and it's the fact that you didn't actually get off and, and you were in those planets, but it was such a shock to so many people because it didn't feel real. I, I mean, all the comments are saying afterwards, like if I watched old clips from 1987 when they were asking people when they got off and they, you, would, you thought they would actually went to Star Wars. People were crying and they were like, I can't believe, I got to go again. And they would cut the interview off and try to run back. So it was, that was such a revolutionary thing. And it's all because people wanted to live that Star Wars experience. It's why we're all here, right? It's why we keep doing these things. It's why Star Wars night, you couldn't even walk in Batu in the Star Wars night from what I gather. People couldn't even move because everyone wanted to go experience that. And that's been what's really been the, the partnerships whole, whole coming together was because Disney could provide that you get to experience Star Wars. And Star Tours was like perfect for that. And after we're done here, Ryan has 17 of the ice cream buckets. He'll be selling them right <laughs> yep. outside. Um, right out here. Lou will sign them for you, too. <laughs> and then we can all explain to Becky what the ice cream buckets actually are. <sighs> all right, trivia question for you, and I'll give you a prize. So like every good Disney attraction, like Star Tours, you end up in a gift shop, which is currently known as... <laughs> what was the original name? What was the original name of the gift shop that you exited from Star Tours. Who said it? Who said Endor Vendor? Give that wow. man in the back. <laughs> Endor Vendors. It changed in 99 with the release of um, Phantom Menace. Becky, Phantom Menace is this, uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, is there, there, there's a reason why you put Ryan between the two Absolutely. of us, right? So Security actually asked if he could, uh, if he can step in between. So let's, let's sort of fast forward, obviously, to where we are now in, um, in Galaxy's Edge. And again, going back to where we were as kids, playing with our toys, and then as time went on, you know, what did we do? We got on our computers. We played X-Wing. We played TIE Fighter. We played Dark Forces. Dark Forces nerds? I'm a first-person shooter kind of guy. Um, Galaxy's Edge is what we all dreamed about, right? We didn't necessarily care about being in the, that specific place with those characters. We just wanted to live in that world. And I know when, when it first opened, you know, Disney and, and Lucas had this interesting, I think, conundrum to deal with, which I think they've addressed as, as recently as two days ago, yeah. which is, how do we determine where this land needs to live? Because my Star Wars, 1977, is different than baby boy Ryan Star Wars <laughs> in, in the 90s. And for some, there was going to be a little bit of a, a disconnect maybe between what, you know, casual fans knew and what some of the, the hardcore fans knew in terms of movies and, and characters. And it was interesting because I remember there was a lot of discussion about, well, is this going to alienate, is the choice of putting this in a specific place and time going to potentially alienate some people because they're frustrated that those faces were not familiar? Well, it's interesting because they had two, when you do a Star Wars land, you have two choices, right? You can either go, let's go relive the best moments from Star Wars. You can go on the speeder bike ride and you can go to Tatooine and you can go to, like, you can go relive this moment you saw in this movie. Or the second choice, which is we're going to build a planet. Like this is somewhere you can actually go and visit and people work and live here. But when you do that, everything has a story, both Star Wars and Disney. So when do we set this? They set it between Episode 8 and Episode 9. But like Lou said, 
Not everybody likes episode 8 or episode 9. Not everybody even knows when you walk in the building, it's not like there's a sign that says, welcome to episode 8.5. So like, you don't know <laughs> that that's what's going on here. You see Kylo Ren, you see Stormtroopers, you see Rey. The ride you go on, the attractions uh, are, are set between 8 and 9. But like you said, there is, it's such a generational story. It's what connects us, but also disconnects us because you see something from 1977 and I go, that's cool. That looks old. And then I see, and then I see something from 1999. I, I, I will not open my Jar Jar action figure because I, I love it. I don't want to open it. So, but you don't care about the Jar Jar action figure. So how do you strike a balance? And I actually think that choice to put it as a living planet is going to work out to their benefit because as you said, they are now going to start bringing in characters from all over and just say, well, if you're staring at Boba Fett, that means right now, Batu is set when Boba Fett's here. And if he walks away and Ray comes out, now we're in episode eight and nine. And had they done that original plan that we actually heard about on your show, where it's like, let's go to Luke's hut and let's go to the speeder bike ride and let's do this. You can't update or change that. And what's going to pay off is that now... They're going to be able to say, well, Batu is a living, breathing planet, and you're at any time you could travel back in time or forward in time, and you can see characters from the prequels all the way to the sequels and beyond, whatever they, because Star Wars isn't going to end, right? So who's to say we won't see Obi-Wan Kenobi wandering around for some reason as a Jedi, because that's what's popular right now. That's what's on Disney+. Plus. So that living, breathing planet, I think, it had some, some kinks they had to work out. I remember the, the original menu came out, and all of the menu items were the Star Wars name. So it was like Tip Yip. And people are staring at it and they're like, well, I don't want to order that because what is, what is Tip Yip? And then underneath it, it says Tip Yip fried chicken. And you're like, oh, okay, now I get it. So they're, they're trying to strike that balance of a living, breathing planet and then timelines. And I'm interested to see how it works out, but I think it's going to pay off in the end because of the choice they made. You would have to because from a business perspective, you've got a huge footprint in the, in the park and it needs to breathe. It needs to live. It needs to expand and grow along with the fandom because if you just had it is one point in time, it's going to become old and useless. Yeah, and if you go back, and I don't remember what show episode it was, but I interviewed Dan Cockrell, who was a former vice president of Hollywood Studios, and he talks about what that original plan, for, and that was the first time I ever heard it before in terms of what it was going to be, and it was going to be the Star Wars that old people like us wanted, right? We wanted the cantina, we wanted Luke's, we wanted Tatooine, and I think they made a very smart choice by saying this needs to exist on an empty playing field, right? We need to have a blank slate and everybody has to start in square one, not just us as guests who can come in and create our own story, but even cast members. Like I love the empowerment of cast members being able to create their own backstory. They can create their own costume. They are basically given this wardrobe selection to choose from and can mix and match to what they feel is the best expression of who they are, not as the person that, you know, drove there from Windermere, but the character that they have created. So I love that too, because we forget they are cast members on a stage. They are performing a role, but it is not one that is scripted for them. It's one that gives them a wide spectrum of freedom and flexibility. And I, and I love the opportunity. And I think people sometimes don't necessarily take it to go to, to Batu and strike up a conversation and watch some of the, the exceptional cast members really go deep into their own story, wanting you to learn and understand their story, but want to hear your story as well. And I know people that have gone there mm -hmm. and they go in robes or whatever and they have created their own backstory. And we'll talk about something else in a little bit where they really sort of have somewhat expensive permission to go ahead and do that. 
Well, the same thing. I, I did the same thing on the third or fourth day that I went into Galaxy's Edge. I'd ridden the rides, I, I'd seen the, the Easter eggs I had gone through, and all I did one day was talk to cast and just go to store to store, to place to place, and, and find them, seek them out, and say, what's your name? What planet are you from? What, what's your family like? How did you get from there to here? And just listening to how deep they went with those stories was absolutely incredible. Uh, and you mentioned like the original plan had the Moss Eisley Cantina. This one has Ogas, and the good thing about that is like we all have our memory of, of the first time we saw Moss Eisley Cantina. But with Ogas, it's our cantina. Like we're the ones that get to go there for the first time. So when you talk to the bartenders there, uh, you know, the last time I was there, I ordered a a fuzzy tauntaun, which warning it, it numbs your your lips. So just so be careful. Good. Um, but then the, and the 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 cast member said, she said, "Well, what planet are you from?" And so now I'm in a in a weird spot because I'm I'm a Star Wars podcast host. I should probably <laughs> say something like really deep cut. And so I tried. I said like Dantooine, which is not in any of the movies, and she started like naming off lore about where Dan Tween was in the books and all this. And she's like, Oh, naming characters like in universe. Uh, and then I was just completely lost. And so she was like, what did you order again? And I'm like, you know, cause this, she had this whole story. She goes, Oh, I traveled there once and all that. So you go to these places and that's like part of the, the fun too, because this is a living, breathing planet. So they don't, they get to come up with stuff just like we do. As you like, as you walk around, you see like, where a blaster is fired against that door and there's steps leading to this building that you're like, what, I wonder what that building is. And then you have cast members walk by and they're telling stories. And it's just like, if you don't go on Rise of Resistance because it's 260 minute wait, you can find <laughs> your own fun, like going around and listening and, and finding yeah. little crevices like it, that. It's its own attraction. Yeah. You don't really need to ride anything to enjoy the land or the space. You just have to melt into the surroundings and talk to people and really get into the detail. And what's nice, too, is that, you know, instead of going to a regular bar and, and the, the bartender or waitress asking you where you're from, you're like, oh, I'm from Dantooine. And like, listen, man, just order a drink. Now, you, now they understand exactly. Yeah, usually they call security, you, yeah, but right? this time they don't. They actually welcome that. Yeah. Ryan's like, they'd be like, come on, nerd, just order something to drink and, and get out on the dance floor. Um, but again, this has all changed, right? This has all changed a couple of days ago with the announcement that now we're going to see some of those other characters like Boba Fett and Gro- like coming and I'm not sure why only Disneyland. We're going to figure this out soon because some of us in Walt Disney World are excited but jealous. And to your point, they're now sort of asking you to suspend your disbelief a little bit, right? We're sort of not locking you in, in you into a specific place and time. But as these characters come out, the environment changes, the timeline changes. And I think people need this. I think this is definitely going to be a guest satisfier because it's what people wanted. Because I can only imagine how many people went to guest relations saying... Where's Darth Vader? Where's Boba Fett? Where's the Mandalorian? Like, why am I not seeing these characters who I am so, as we all are, deeply emotionally vested in? I can I can imagine that when the Mandalorian blew up and Baby Yoda was everywhere, you have you have the people that are in the story department, you have people that are in the the money department, right? And it, I could see somebody from Disney going to Lucasfilm and Imagineering and goes, "All right, I need I need Baby Yoda in, in Galaxy's Edge tomorrow." And then the story people go, well, it's set through eight, between eight and nine, and you know that doesn't really make any sense. The Mandalorians between six and seven. I can see them going, I don't care. I, you have to put Grogu in this land. Everyone wants to see a Grogu. So it took some time. I mean, the Mandalorian came out three years ago, but they found a way to go. Okay, Batu is a living, breathing planet, but at any given moment, you will see 
um, a story that's taking place, like Thrawn and Darth Vader went to Galaxy's Edge in one of the most recent books. And so there's a chance that you might see them hanging around Oga's Cantina because that's where they went in, in that book. And so when you're staring at Darth Vader, you're no longer in episode eight and nine. But when you go on Rise of the Resistance, you're on between episodes eight and nine because that's when the story is. So they found a way to go, it's still the same place. You're never going to see Darth Vader and Kylo Ren rock next to each other. They, they flat out said, you'll never see that happen. So the story still exists. You just now get to be transported. It's just like when you go to Avengers Campus and Captain America's walking around and you're like, wait, didn't I just see you go back in time? Spoiler alert. Go back in time and not come back. So what are you doing here? Why are you with Moon Knight? That doesn't make any sense. Um, but there's a story to it and there's a reason and they're going to see that with Galaxy's Edge now where whatever shows out, whatever's, whatever story comes out, they might have a comic book where Boba Fett Sorry, Boba Fett goes to Black Spire Outpost, and then you go there tomorrow, and there he is, walking around. And you're like, wow, I guess I'm in when this comic book was set, or when this TV show was set. And it's actually a brilliant idea, because now it also, repeatability. I'm going to come back, because I don't know what time, I might have went to Galaxy's mm-hmm. Edge that day, and it was Kylo Ren Day. I want to go when there, when the Mandalorian's there, because I want to go during that timeline. And you might see menu items change. You might see different offerings, because C-3PO might be there that day. And there might be a C-3PO special at Oga's Cantina. And now, now it's people that have gone once and twice. i got to go back because I want to see R2-D2 at Galaxy's Edge. More importantly, Ryan, it's merchandising. Imagine, like, the merchandise changes. Like, Galaxy's Edge, the flamethrower. The kids love it. <laughs> Trivia question time. The planet in which Galaxy's Edge takes place is? What's the city in which it takes place? I heard it. I heard it. And just to let you know, the questions may get harder or easier. Oh, hi, I know you. Um, Because I have some special giveaways that you can't buy at Galaxy's Edge. They got to get harder. They're, they're autograph. Yeah. They're <laughs> autograph pictures of Lou. So everybody, <laughs> nobody get in line right here. Nobody, uh, <laughs> nobody wants that. But even you know, again, in terms of making it more of an interactive experience, and again, you yeah. experience Galaxy's Edge in the way that you want to consume it, in the way that you are most comfortable consuming it. So you might want to go in. Maybe your kids like it. You just want to. Go, I just want to go ride the rides. Right? I just want to go do the thing, and I don't worry about you know who or what a Hondo Anaka is. I just want to do it. But who has used your data pad? Who has used the Play Disney experience, right? So almost everybody in the room... Well, hold on, hold on, Lou. Can we try something different? If the, if the answer is yes, let's make some noise oh, instead okay. of raising hands. <laughs> Who's used the data pad? How about that? There we go. See, this is why I bring the experts on. Yep. Um, I've only been podcasting for 17 years. I'm going to figure this out sooner <laughs> or later. Um, so you obviously everybody seemed like they've clapped. So you've used the data pad inside. It's making your experience in the park a much more interactive, personalized, uh, and I think outcome-driven. I expect those credits that you are accumulating are eventually going to pay dividends. Please. I, I, I do. <laughs> I, I think so. whether... I know, and, and, and this could be a separate conversation on sort of the, the future of the, of the technology, but I think the reason why you are acquiring credits, and I think there's going to be more in terms of how your interactions affect the credits that you earn and or possibly lose or trade and whether it's NFTs, whether it's some sort of digital currency or payoff that you're able to accumulate in the app, I think that it is very much 
the tip of the iceberg and then laying the groundwork for a, a much richer and deeper experience. And when we get to sort of the next sort of thing on the list, I think that is really going to be that next sort of larger step forward into immersion, interaction, and almost the gamification of your experience in the parks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the and, that, why, and that's that why I bring Becky, because you get things oh. like... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking that through, because, yeah, well, you almost can't um, go down that path without starting to talk about what's next on the list, which is Galactic Star Cruiser, because that is the next step in immersion. Um to be able to not only walk into a land, but to be a part of the story, not just walking into the story and being a passive person looking around and taking it in, but actually playing a part. And um, that does teach in, or reach into the gamification and the, um, and the data pads and, and the, the different pieces of technology that are pulling into it. And it, it has such an amazing um, opportunity of growth and change where the story can change because the technology is going to allow us to experience it one way today, but yet a completely another way tomorrow. Yeah. The, 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 there's a new magic band coming to, to mm-hmm. Walt Disney world magic band plus. And the original idea behind galaxy's edge was that the stuff that you did, the cast members were going to be able to read your magic band and go, Oh, okay, that guy really stinks at flying. So let's go ahead and stay away from him because he crashed the Millennium Falcon five times when he drove it. Or now that Boba Fett's here, there's bounty hunters now going to be walking around Galaxy's Edge. So Boba Fett might be able to read your magic band somehow and go, oh, that guy's First Order or whatever. Not First Order, I guess it would be Empire at that time. And be able to react to you that way. So I think the next step is, and it's, they're doing it with the Star Cruiser, uh, especially when you're on board Star Cruiser, but even when you come off Star Cruiser onto, onto Black Spire Outpost. I think the goal is to be, as you're living your story with the data pad and the Magic Band Plus and the Star Cruiser, that the cast members and your stuff that happens, it really is a, a story playing out. And so if you want to choose to go that way, if you want to be a smuggler and you start doing things to be a smuggler, people are going to react to you that way. Mm-hmm. And then now, now it's really, it's not just you're in a Star Wars world, now you literally are living a story and people are react. The people are looking at you as a, as a, as a Star Wars character and right. not you visiting Disney World. And if they can pull that off with all the new technology and stuff, that's going to be, it's going to be a can't miss experience because it's, who doesn't want to be a smuggler in Star Wars and then people start acting like you're a smuggler in Star Wars. Right. Well, and, and the Star Cruiser is the first, I think, of what the future is going to be where your choices matter. The big choices and the small choices you make, whether it's the choices you make in your data pad, the choices you make in terms of the conversations that you have on the Star Cruiser, or even the choices you make in terms of where you go and what you do. By round of applause, thank you, Ryan, who has been to the Galactic Star Cruiser? <laughs> no, no, by round of applause, who wants to go on the Galactic Star Cruiser? Because it is, I think, I think, and... It is this brilliant marriage of interactive theater, cruise line experience, escape your room, choose your own role-playing adventure, video games, puzzle solving, mm-hmm. dinner theater show, which, by the way, is a lot and I think helps justify the price. We talk a lot about it on our full review back on show, insert show number here. It can't be um, more than like 50 bucks, right? Oh, <laughs> well, a minute. But, so for those who have done it, so you've done it, and, and I know that you don't have a mic in front of you, what did you feel in terms of what you got for your value, what you got for that 
two and a half day experience. Our money's worth, and it wasn't just me, it was uh, the one of us there. And we, I mean, we're planning a return, you know, we're ready. You know, initially it was two of us, and then we saw the pricing and had a little bit of galactic sticker shock, and we found three more friends, and we had a great time. Yeah. So a couple of takeaways. One, the more people you invite in to join you, the better it is for you as a group, the less expensive it is for you. We reverse engineered the numbers and it told for what you get. And I understand there's that initial sticker shock, but knowing what as Disney fans as we are, when you go to Walt Disney World, what it costs to experience different things, we sort of broke it down and the numbers actually make sense. And for the kind of experience that I know that I got and that I watched my kids have, an hour in, I'm like, this was totally worth it because of the expressions on their face, including my daughter, who is not a quote-unquote Star Wars fan. She was a high school senior, like, I don't know, Dad, maybe I'll go home. I'll go with my friends at night. Five minutes in, she was all in. Mm -hmm. And there was almost this, I wish we would have had costumes. I wish we would have created a backstory. Like, I almost wish we would have gone deeper. And I love the fact that she said, I want to go back. Because there is a repeatability factor. We had that FOMO on the last day when we heard about this incredible, I'm not going to spoil it, this incredible experience that some guests had because of the choices that they made, which showcased a brand new technology, a character we hadn't seen. And I'm like, I need to go back just so I can see and do that. Yes. And one of the big standouts about this is that you can be a casual Star Wars fan and get every single penny out of the experience. I'm not, as you mentioned, I'm a casual Star Wars fan. I went in with a bar thinking this is, this is an expensive experience. This is not a, a cheap vacation. And it's only two days or two nights and two and a half days. And the moment, I think it was day two, that it really hit me how much I'm getting out of this. We were going to sleep at midnight, getting up at 6 a.m. because you didn't want to miss anything that was happening anywhere on the floor or, or out in the, um, in the atrium area because things were happening all over the place and you did have FOMO every direction you, you were thinking, I'm here, but what's going on in the engine room? But what's going on in the cafeteria? But what's going on? So you were running around like crazy. When we were done on the last day when we left, um, I, I felt exhausted in the best way ever. I wanted to go back because I wanted to maybe answer a couple of questions on the data pad a different way because maybe I would then have some of these other missions that were available if you'd answered other ways. So the value was there. I walked away understanding why it's as expensive as it is and fully being able to recommend it to others because I now have a good understanding of it. Right, and it's different than Galaxy's Edge because when we ride Smuggler's Run, when we ride Rise, we all are experiencing the same thing. Our levels of fandom and, and knowledge of what we're seeing may impact that a little bit, but here, the choices you make impact whether you are called to the bridge to go and engage in a battle, if you take a job in engineering, if you lock up stormtroopers, help Chewbacca perform Jedi tasks or have these secret, like I, there was one thing I sort of happened upon this secret meeting. I was kicked out of the room, like wonderfully kicked out of the room because the guy's like, no, 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 you haven't been part of what we are doing. You were sort of on your own. He didn't say it in so many words, but it was so much fun and so unexpected. And I just wanted like, we just wanted more. 
And I even said to myself, you know, well, so who's been on a Disney cruise by a round of applause? <laughs> who's been on a Disney cruise enough to say, NASA, eh, I'm not getting off. Like, I'm not getting off. So that's what I thought about Batu. I'm like, I've seen Batu. Like, I don't need to do it. I want to spend time on the ship when there's nobody here. Going on Batu was the best thing we did because yeah. my experience changed because of the story that Disney had created for us as guests. You've got your Shandrilla Starline pin on. You are recognized differently. You're interacted with differently. The choices you make on Smuggler's Run, your performance on Smuggler's Run will impact what you hear when you're done with Smuggler's Run. I had more fun on Batu, and I live 10 minutes from the park. I had more fun on Batu than I ever had before. Yes, hands down. And I, I was the same, thinking, well, we've been there so many times. Wouldn't you rather stay on the ship because you're paying to be on the ship, right? You want to see what the ship is like. I am so glad we didn't make that, that bad decision because there was so much fun. There, there were people who seeked us out because we had the pins on. They give you the, the pin to identify you. And there were conversations that were happening or there were missions that were going on that's like, oh my gosh, did you get that mission? No. You know, um, like secret stuff that secret only stuff. you can do or even like get <coughs> Oga's Cantina. Yeah. Because you are a guest yes. on the Shandrill Star Line. Yeah, exactly. You have to, and that, that's one of the things that I, I tell people all the time when they go to this experience talk to everybody. If you are, I'm that type of person, I'm a little bit against the wall and I don't like to get in the middle of things. And um, the first day I decided looking around, you, the people you choose to talk to will also have a great impact on your experience. I found one guy and I started talking to him and he learned my name. And later on the next day, I was kind of standing there, which is kind of a, another reason why if you go by yourself, it'd be more expensive, but you can still do it because you'll get pulled into all these things going on around you. Um, I was standing there thinking, well, what do I have to do now? I don't have any missions. Maybe I should just go, I don't know, Lou's probably eating somewhere so I can go find him. It's called research. Uh -huh. I, was, do I and, was doing it for you, just so, so you know. And so I'm, I'm walking past the elevators, and all of a sudden, the, the gentleman that I spoke to, who which was a character, he was in an elevator with four other people, and he said, Becky, we need your help. You need to come with us now. And all of a sudden, I'm like, apparently, you need my help, and jumped in the elevator. But when they call your, when they mention yeah. you by name... You're like, what, what? is happening? How yeah. do you know my... We want to be recognized, right? We want to be appreciated. Mm -hmm. um, imagining having that... Imagining... Let me put it in... Imagine going downstairs and John Favreau walks by and he's like, hey, Tim, your brains would fall out of your head. Mm -hmm. But exactly. on a different scale, that's how you feel mm -hmm. when you're like, Lou, I need you up on the bridge. And you're like... And you and yeah. even if you're with a group, maybe my mission is different than you. And that's mm -hmm. what we were. Like We, we were we five people on five different missions. Well, yeah. We we had a point where three of us went. Oh my gosh! In five minutes, we need to be in the in the um, in the engine room. And then a couple of the other two were like, "What are you talking about? We, I have nothing." My like wife was like, "How am I on the dark side?" And I'm yeah, like, we found out this, all. This, this was the best volumes. Yeah, there's the, marriage counseling oh, that needs to take place after right. your excursion. The time. best um, <laughs> the best thing we learned is his wife is on the dark side. In which, again, there's a whole backstory <laughs> there, which taken a whole other show. Well, and, there's this, and I, and if you don't, if you don't want to be at all spoiled, then don't watch it. But there was these great live streams Lou did on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash/wwradio. That's tough to say. Um, where you went and took us on, and I was watching it because I was trying to convince my wife, who hates Star Wars, that we need to go on this. And we were watching the live streams, and at one point, you guys were on the the deck, or you were on something, the bridge, or something, and there was this person in costume, and there was the cast members, and they were going on. I'm I'm watching because I'm enamored, and they're they're doing all this stuff. 
and and then they all three run away, the cast member and these two other people. And Lou goes, yeah, that lady is just a guest. She's not part of the mm-hmm. the cast. And I thought the whole time she was part of the story because she was so into it and dread- and she was like improvising. And I'm watching and I was like, that lady was just a guest? And I still remember, I also remember there was a little room in your room where I could have laid down, but you never called me. So I just, we'll, we'll, we can, I, I've been wanting to get that off my chest because I saw, I was like, there's plenty of room in there for me. My phone must be off. Again, we know there's a group therapy that has to happen, I think, for So, no, but in all reality, I was watching these live streams and you guys would go down under a certain steam room and all of a sudden there's Chewbacca. And then, like you said, your wife was on the dark side, but you weren't. And it was kind of weird there, but I hope you worked that out. But, and then... Uh, yeah, and then that, that what struck me was that one lady who was I thought was a cast member the whole time. She was in full costume. The cast member was yelling at her. She was yelling back. They were trying to fix something, and then they just took off running. And you literally said, "No, that's just a that's just that's a lady staying here." That was the that was the craziest but that, part. The story is taking place around you, using all five senses in, in 360 degrees at all times. Mm-hmm. When we're in Galaxy's Edge, it's sort of we turn it on and off, right? right. Depending if we're getting on the attraction, getting off the attraction, I think. It's, it's present, but not sort of as overwhelmingly present. Uh, look, I, I think the Galactic Star Cruiser is sort of the ultimate love letter to Star Wars fans. Ooh, nice. It is. Like, we are, right. we want to give you the experience coming full circle that you always dreamed about as a kid to live your own Star Wars story and adventure. We are not going to tell you what to do. You are able to create it on your own. Yes, it's sort of like this flow chart. There's parameters and sort of decisions you know that, that take you yes no uh, and it makes me think about what's next right what, what is the future for living your star wars story we know that on the disney wish which is coming in just a few weeks there's going to be a hyperspace lounge there which becky as we know yes. is incredibly excited about if you can't find becky yes. on the wish she'll you be in the hyperspace me. lounge um but i'd like to know from you and from you and from you listening at home what type of star wars experience do you wish Right. If you were the head of Imagineering and we've given you unlimited budget, what would your ultimate interactive type of Star Wars experience be? Or what do you sort of envision when you're sitting at home? I wish I could do this in a Disney park. I think the future is in VR and AR. I think if Disney, they're opening an experience in Disney Springs uh, where the NBA experience was that's Batu and VR related. I think if they could add something to Galaxy's Edge, it would be a way to either have AR where the, your entire surrounding gets changed and you're in a, in a battle or a mission or VR, yes, putting the headset on because uh, I know ILM is in, investing heavily into that. So I think if you could find a way for Imagineering and ILM and the stagecraft technology they've been shooting all these shows on, uh, The Mandalorian, where they create, create these sets around you and they, these actors say, I literally feel like I'm on, an, uh, on a planet if they could channel some of that, that could be the next step to where you go off into this, you know, because the rise of the resistance show building is hidden. You, I, I still don't know where all that stuff is uh, when, you, when you enter the queue and, and the ship flips around. It's that interactive experience and that immersive experience where I think if they could tap into that AR, VR, stagecraft technology, it's changeable, it's doable, and then they can also make you feel like you're really in, into it. And that's sort of the next step into interactivity where maybe... Maybe a hologram will pop in front of you and somebody's giving you a mission and it's literally right there in front of you. And then you go this way and you go that way. That's, I think that's something they could, Disney and ILM working together could really create something. And we've seen that. We've seen Ray. We've seen, and remember the Captain Jack Sparrow that they were testing at Disney's Hollywood Studios years ago? This three dimensional projection. Quick, by a round of applause. Did anybody ever do the void in Disney Springs or Disney? 
What were your thoughts? What, did, what were your thoughts? Loved it? Thumbs up? Wish you could do it again? Do something like that again? Um, yeah, I did it. I wasn't ever able to do the Wreck-It Ralph one, but it was really well done. And, and I know for some people there's concern, well, you know, about putting the, the helmet on and maybe sort of um, the motion of... I've, but the fact that it is not only a visual but a tactile experience, not sort of just having that sort of blaster in your hands, but feeling... The heat as you uh-huh. went into certain rooms was incredible. Yeah, you kept shooting me in the back, if you remember correctly. Because the vest you're wearing it's vibrates every time you're getting shot. And so every once in a while, it's like my vest was like vibrating like crazy because you kept shooting me in the back. Um, for me, I, I think, yeah, you remember and you're, you're proud it of yourself right back. now. I'm not a coward. I shot her dead straight on. <laughs> like I wanted to let her see what was coming. I, I would love like a day of babysitting Grogu. That'd be great if we could do that. Um, so Becky's babysitting <laughs> service is a real thing. For Grogu only. It's for Grogu only or, or others of his species that we may someday get to meet. Um, I, I do like virtual reality, but I, I got to say I really like the real thing. So if they could find a way to to bridge the gap between the Galactic Star Cruiser experience and bring more AI into that, I think that would be a perfect world for me because being able to just step into it and watch it go go on around you with the helmet and stuff, great. But I loved being part of it. I loved running up and down those stairs. I loved going and actually physically having to uh, to put the, the ship into hyperdrive. I, I loved physically being able to do that. So if they could figure out a way to bump up that technology a little bit, find a way to maybe bring down the cost a little bit mm-hmm. so that others could enjoy that experience as well uh, more easily, that would be where I'd want to go. Oh, and, and more more lounges with, you oh, know, there yeah, you. just because. Do you like the idea? Because I think what we're starting to see is is the Play Disney Parks app with overlays for the Star Cruiser and Batu. I think we're really in its infancy of what this is going to do. I expect an augmented reality type experience to come. Do you like, by applause, do you like the idea of utilizing your device more in the parks for a richer, enhanced experience, or you're shaking your head no, or do you prefer not to have it? Who likes using their phone in the parks for that additional layer of experience? Who does not? I get it, and the recovering attorney in me can argue both sides. Right, because we want our kids just put the phone away. Like, be present where we are. I want to look in your eyes, not in the back of your head, looking down on your phone. But on the other side of the coin, this offers endless possibilities of what we can do. I actually tested something years ago where I was able to hold my phone up to a wall, and it literally opened up this portal in Fantasyland. And this was a long, long time ago. They ended up going down the Source of the Magic Kingdom route instead. But I think that is part of maybe where the thinking is going, especially for the generation behind us where this device really sort of is in their hands at all times and it is part of the experience. Maybe when it's not, there is a little bit of a disconnect. I would love to take any questions you might have. We have a fourth mic. If you don't mind standing up here and coming up to the mic, this way I can record it for the show. Come on up. Don't be shy. It's okay. I saw you stand up. No, you were just adjusting yourself in your seat. If you have any questions, come up to the mic. If you don't have any questions... Who wants to do a little more trivia? If you guys don't want these um, Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser pins, yeah. I could just take them home. It's fine. If you oh, see now you get now you get. I the, know. Yeah. They're pretty cool pins too. I'm curious to see um, 
Let's see how nerdy. Let's see how nerdy like they really are. So you've all been to Galaxy's Edge? All right. And this time, we'll, I'll, don't bark it out. Just raise your hands. We've all been to Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities. By applause, who spent way too much money in Doc Ondar's Den of Antiquities? Yeah. <laughs> what species is Doc Ondar? Man in the corner. Come on down. Wow, nice. Wow. Please, I know the answer to this question. Would you like one of these sweet WDW Radio backpacks, or would you like what's behind door number two and a Chandrilla Starline pin? I had a feeling you were going to. I'll even give you the choice. I have three different, I have four different pins to choose from. There you go. And take a WDW Radio sticker, too, as long as you're here. Just... Okay, so clearly these guys are way more... Um, well, I have to make these questions probably a lot harder. Um, all right, let's go. I'm going to go super, super hard. Um, you don't have to tell me what the number is, but uh, Galaxy's Edge is full of Easter eggs. There's Easter eggs everywhere, including on Becky's favorite thing, which are trash cans, which for us usually are tabletops. Web slingers. Every Star Wars Galaxy's Edge trash can has a special number on it. 3263827. What is that number significance? He's speaking with one of those funny accents from England. But I think I heard the words trash compactor. You got it. It is the uh, the sector where Luke, Han, and Leia were tossed into the trash compactor. And it's not my favorite thing. It's just our favorite place to have dinner, apparently. Wow. I don't know why. We end up on trash cans. There you go. It's, it's a take thing. Take anyone that you like and take some stickers, too. Um, all right. Let's see. Let's see how deep into story they go. Again, we've all been into Doc Ondar's. They have everything there from the holocrons to who collects legacy sabers. I'm clapping for my son who's not here. Um <laughs> One of the most interesting things that he has on display as part of his collection is a little teeny tiny baby Sarlacc. According to the story, who brought that item to Doc Ondar? Wow, you guys are good. How fast the hands go up. Hansel. Wow. Did you know that? No. I don't know. Come on up and get your. No idea. Holy cow. I didn't actually know that. Wow, that's really good. I'm going to ask it. I think this is an easy one. Leave it up to adults to ruin a good thing. Not long after Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opened, something was taken away. <laughs> I didn't even have the question out of my mouth already. Man in the back with the orange hat, he's already standing up. He's like, I'm coming up to get my prize because I know what the answer is. It was a spork. Oh, wow. right. <laughs> All right, you get amnesty right now. Who stole a spork? Raise your hand. Who has a spork at home? Isn't it so funny, like, how fast, like, the sporks became oh. a thing? They were so you cute. You can take a, either of these two pins. You can take some stickers. Or if you'd like this, look at this sweet WWO backpack. No. no he, you're very welcome. Uh, all right, I have one more pin. I'll give you one more. Um, I'll give you one more question. I'm sticking with food because this because. is a body built on Docking Bay 7. Um <laughs> Who thinks Ronto roasters are like the greatest thing since yes. sliced bread, by the way, right? Oh, yeah. If only there was somebody, anybody, no, who could bring me a Ronto roaster. Seriously? Who is the head chef at Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo? Oh, finally, finally stumped the audience. Ooh. 
Who was the head chef? No? Chef Strano Cookie Tugs. Cookie. Somebody's going, Cookie. Oh, how did I not know Cookie? Um, who, provide, who provides the voice of Hondo Anaka in Smuggler's Run? Jim Cummings. Did you win a pin already? You got a bag? Come up and get your pin. It's a pin. <laughs> <laughs> now I want tip yep. I just want anything from Galaxy's Edge because I'm famished. All right, I have a. I've, I'm out of pins. Everybody gets up and leaves. Um, I'll ask two other. I'll ask a couple more quick questions. Let's go back to Star Wars really quickly. Um, in Star Wars, if you listen carefully to some of the boarding announcements on screen and over the intercom, they mention a land speeder number. What is the land speeder that is illegally parked? Oh, come on, nerds. Uh, guys, you need to know this one. Yeah. What? Probably 138. What's the first three letters of that? There you go, big guy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love the fact that he's wearing his Star Wars Coca-Cola shirt. Um, all right, I'll ask him what. Uh, mm, let's see. Do you guys have, do you have, you're a, you're a big. What is Lou's middle name? <laughs> Nobody knows. I'm not even. I know that. that. <laughs> that. That's not the answer. I totally know that. Um, so when you enter Doc Ondar's, there's that that bass relief mural right in front. That sort of um, as soon as the doors open. Where have you seen that in the films before? Somebody who hasn't already won a prize before. <laughs> Way back in the corner. In the Emperor's office. Emperor Palpatine's office. By the way, she phoned a friend like the, <laughs> the guy. <laughs> so I cannot thank you enough. Thank you very much for taking time to be part of our panel discussion today. I also want to thank Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel. If you're looking to go to Walt Disney World or Disneyland or the Galactic Star Cruiser or with us on the Disney Wish, you can visit Mouse Fan Travel. Ryan Donhoe is from the Forcecast.net. I am Lou Mangello. Uh, you can also come up here. You can find out more about WW Radio. We've, I have been podcasting Every single week for the past 17 plus years, I am a recovering attorney. Don't hold it against me. We also do live video every Wednesday. A lot of fun events. And uh, most importantly, uh, everything we really do is about the community and conversation. And it means more to me that you, than you know for taking time out of your weekend to uh, spend a little bit of time with us this morning. So thank you very much. And may the sports be with you. You guys are great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's time for our Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details in which you see, hear, taste, or remember. If you think you know the answer, you can enter for a chance to win a Disney prize package. This week's trivia contest is once again brought to you by you, because as part of the WW Radio Nation family, you literally help bring every episode of WW Radio to life Every live broadcast, the contests and giveaways, they're all thanks to, by, for, and because of you. You can find out how you can help the show for as little as a dollar per month and get cool exclusive rewards every month like scavenger hunts, trivia quests, 
participate in our group video calls, get access to our private Facebook group, shirts, stickers, monthly care packages, early access to special events, and much more. I want to thank some new and longtime members, including Charles Stoddard, Amy Lonergan, Tommy Reeves, Susie Marchetti, and Elizabeth Stuckman. I love you. I appreciate you and your support and friendship and help, and I love being able to give back to you each and every month. And of course, don't forget that a portion of your contribution goes to our Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. And because of you, we've raised more than $550,000 to help children with life-threatening illnesses and their families come to live out their wish in Walt Disney World. To find out more and be part of the nation family, please visit www.radio.com support. Now, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's and select our winner. So last week, we did a live review from the oh-so-very-delicious Three Bridges over at Grand Destino Tower, and I asked you to tell me, what is the name of the concierge-level lounge at Disney's Grand Destino Tower at Coronado Springs Resort? Thanks to the hundreds of you who entered and got this one correct and knew that the answer is, of course, the Kronos Club. And that is this beautiful, bright, very comfortable lounge where club-level access guests can relax. They have light refreshments throughout the day and at night. There's also other concierge-level services that you can access right through the desk there. And the name Kronos actually comes from the animated short film Destino, which was a collaboration between Walt Disney and surrealist painter Salvador Dali that began back in 1945 but wasn't released until 58 years later in 2003 by the Walt Disney Animation Studios. Now, where do we get Kronos from? Well, Destino tells this tragic love story of Kronos, who is sort of the personification of time, who falls in love with a mortal woman. And in this beautiful, brilliant animated film, you see the two sort of float across many of the surrealist landscapes of Dolly's paintings. Anyway, I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one. Last week, you were playing for a WW Radio pin, keychain, and bonus mystery prize. And last week's winner is Kelly Andruski. So, Kelly, congratulations. I will get your package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, we just came from Star Wars Celebration and the Disney Parks, and that's exactly where we're going to stay, because this week I want you to tell me what Walt Disney World attraction uses, or once used, the same ride system as Star Tours. There is or was another attraction in Walt Disney World that used that same ride vehicle system as the current Star Tours attraction. What attraction is or was that? You have until Sunday, June 5th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast. And you know what? This week, instead of playing for the WW Radio pin and keychain, you'll play for something that I brought back for you from Star Wars Celebration, which is a set of Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett button set, each unopened, of course, pack includes four different buttons from The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett. So good luck, have fun, and may the Force be with you. Always. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. If you were at Star Wars Celebration and at our live recording of this week's podcast, thank you so very much. It means more to me than you know that you took time out of your incredibly busy weekend to be part of the show. I'm so grateful for your support and your friendship and you just being there. It made an incredible weekend even better. I would love to hear from you. 
What is your favorite sort of in-park Star Wars experience? What allows you to live your Star Wars story? Or what would you like to see in the future coming to the Disney parks that would let you live out your own Star Wars adventure? You can be part of the community and conversation. Answer this question. Talk about anything in the Disney, Marvel, or Star Wars universe over in the WW Radio Clubhouse. It is our fun family-friendly, and incredibly welcoming community over on Facebook at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. You can also connect with me elsewhere on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And also be sure to like the WW Radio page at facebook.com slash Radio and turn on notifications so you don't miss a thing, including our Wednesday night live video show. We've been doing it for more than 15 years each and every week. And it's one of my favorite things to do because it is real-time, unscripted, and so incredibly authentic, and more importantly, it allows you to be part of the show, of the conversation, as it is actually happening. And again, that's every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at www.radiolive.com. And also, speaking of community and social and Star Wars celebration, I brought back something very, very special just for you. The one and only hot ticket over the weekend was the Star Wars Celebration 2022 limited edition of 5,000 Diamond Collection Grogu Funko Pop. To say it was like Black Friday every morning at the Celebration store for the limited amount they had available is an understatement. These have been going for more than 250 I saw $300, $400 on eBay, and I was able to secure one, and I brought it back for you and I'm going to give it away. No strings attached, no trivia question to answer on Instagram. So if you go to Instagram.com slash you can find out how you can win this very, very coveted and also very cute and glittery Baby Yoda figure. I will run this giveaway for about a week again at Instagram.com slash And speaking of fun things we can do together, be sure to check out our events page at www.radio.com slash events. Our next meet of the month in Walt Disney World is likely going to be Saturday, June 11th over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Check out the event page for more details. Our Night at the Hoop-Dee-Doo musical review is going to happen. Unfortunately, the first date that we had chosen in June, Disney is unable to accommodate a group of our size Thank you so much for the overwhelming response. So we are working with them to secure a new date that is coming soon. Stay tuned for more updates. Make sure you turn on notifications in the clubhouse and subscribe to our newsletter at www.radio.com. You'll find a link right there. That is the best way to get first notifications of this event when it announces and releases. I'd also like to invite you to join us on one of our many group cruises. We have our August 1st inaugural cruise on the Disney Wish. That is sold out, but... Don't worry, we have our December 5th Very Merry Time Cruise on the Disney Wish and our April 2023 eight-night Disney Fantasy Overnight in Bermuda and Bahamas Cruise. And you can get a free no-obligation quote from our friends over at Mouse Fan Travel by visiting www.radio.com cruise. I am also incredibly excited to announce, finally, after years of rescheduling, our two Adventures by Disney WW Radio group trips Our first is going to be March 10th through the 17th, 2023. We are finally going on our adventures by Disney to Italy, Rome, Florence, Venice, and Tuscany. And just a few months later, if Italy doesn't work for you, that's okay. And this is one I've really been looking forward to. It is a domestic adventures by Disney from July 19th through the 25th, seven days, six nights, our WW Radio group adventures by Disney to Wyoming. 
Jackson Hole, Grand Teton National Park, Yellowstone, Brooks Lake, and so very much more. Both of these are, of course, family-friendly, and I do expect them to sell out once again. If you're interested in getting a free no-obligation quote from our friends over at Mouse Fan Travel, you can visit the events page at www.radio.com slash events. Click on the post for either or both of those and use the form there, and a Mouse Fan Travel advisor will reach out to you for more information. I am, as hopefully you know, so incredibly grateful to you for the opportunity and life that you've given me and allowing me to share my passion with you. I would love to help you do the same and get you from where you are to where you want to be. And one of the best and most effective ways I can do that is through my weekly mastermind group. There are only two spots remaining. The group is limited to just six members and our new group is forming and going to launch in June. And now is the time. Now is the best time to start taking your idea, your business, your content, your project or product to the next level. It'll not only help you keep moving forward, but it will help teach and guide you on how to profit from your passion and make your dream a reality. You can learn more and apply to the group by visiting lumangelo.com slash coaching. If the weekly group might not be the right fit for you, stay tuned because I'm also going to release tickets for my Momentum Weekend Workshop in Walt Disney World, which is Saturday and Sunday, October 22nd and 23rd, with an optional mastermind day on Monday. For more information, visit lumangelo.com slash momentum, and I'll be posting a link to where you can get your ticket. And this event is limited to just 50 people. I'll post that link in the clubhouse. Stay tuned this week. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Tell a friend, invite them to be part of the clubhouse and subscribe to the podcast. And if you can, share a link to this or your favorite episode on social. More importantly, if you can, rate and review the show over an Apple podcast or leave a quick rating over in Spotify. I want to thank some recent reviewers like mmouse20000 who says it's clean, kind, and educational. I'm a special ed high school teacher. Thank you. I've worked as a lifeguard at Typhoon Lagoon with the college program in 96. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a lifelong Disney nerd, always eager to learn new tidbits. Thank you for a podcast that is clean, kind, and free of politics. Always has been, always will be. I never have to worry about the content no matter who is in the car. We don't get Disney very often. The last trip was about a decade ago, but we're planning a holiday trip in December this year. I'm excited to get in the car each day to listen and learn. This was definitely God's calling for you. Wow, thank you. And that is from Teresa Ireland. And finally, most importantly, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so very much for everything that you do that allows me to not just live my own Star Wars story, but live out uh, a dream that is beyond anything I ever could have imagined. I love you. I appreciate you so, so very much. I hope you know that. And if there's anything I can ever do for you, please reach out and let me know. I hope to see you on the live show this week in the parks at our next event and or just back here on the podcast next week. I hope that this truly is your best week ever. Get out there. Be the positive light you want to see in this world. Choose the good. Be the good. And have an amazing week. See ya. Good morning, Lou. This is Joe Kane from Orange Park, Florida. I just got finished listening to episode 650. I'm about to listen to 651, uh, the Star Wars episodes. And I just had to tell you... Uh, I love this show, and I love these episodes, and I'm going to love 651 because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I have a whole right arm full of tattoos of Star Wars, but my I just wanted to express like my my opinion and how much I appreciate 
Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. And it holds so many reasons for me. One, because that's the movie I distinctly remember going to see with my dad in theaters. And I'm a huge storytelling person. I love story completions. And I think that's the perfect... If, if Star Wars was a plate of mac and cheese, that is the cheese. That movie, it holds it all together. And uh, it completes the story. It shows a complete transition from of Anakin from uh, this young Jedi Padawan who let his love overcome his his Jedi mantra, and he unfortunately fell to the dark side because he wanted to save the one he loved, and he was duped by Palpatine to... Uh, he, he was duped by Palpatine thinking that he could save her, but it was Palpatine's dark background kind of ruined that form and I, I just love it so much. I grew up on it and I've been a Star Wars fan since I was about six years old. So uh, thanks for what you do. I love the shows. I love listening to them on my commute to work and uh, I hope to do a meetup sometime soon. I just moved back to Florida so I'm looking to see you guys. Alright, have a good one. Hi everybody, it's Elizabeth from Massachusetts. Um, happy Monday. Coming back from an April break for anyone out there who's heading back to school today. Um, from their vacations. Um, it's always hardest on Tuesday, though, so get ready for tomorrow. <laughs> um, just listen to your most recent episode about the things that you love about uh, Wilderness Lodge. It is one of my favorite resorts. Um, it is actually my home base also as a DVC owner, um, and Copper Creek has a special place in my heart. Um, it's actually the very first resort that I ever stayed at as a child. Um, so with, for that reason and for other, in my opinion, very objective reasons, the lobby is my absolute favorite part of that entire resort. Um, it is massive. It is gorgeous. It has this, like, huge um, presence, if you will, as a lobby, and I think lobby kind of sets the tone for the entire hotel and resort, um, and it gives you that feeling of being, like you and Becky had said, in a national park um, somewhere else that is not in Orlando, um, in Florida. So I fell in love with it as a kid. It just drew me in, and I still, as an adult, think it's one of the most gorgeous lobbies um, and you guys said this, but during the Christmas and holiday times, it is next-level magic. So if you've never gotten to experience it during the holiday season, make sure to swing by at some point and go see it. Um, yeah, so that's all. I hope everyone has a magical Monday um, and makes it as magical as you possibly can. Um, I will talk to you all real soon. See you later. Bye. Hey, Lou. It's Christine Morrison from Flower Town, Pennsylvania. You get me calling you twice in one day. Holy smokes. I just finished listening to the top 10 recap smells. And for me, it is Flight of Passage and Beach Club that get me right in all the fields. Um, I go to Beach Club and I just smile and smell. I don't know what it is, but Lisa has managed to capture that in the most wonderful Wax melts and candles. I'm into her wax melts now, by the way. So I have the the Ocean Flight and the Riviera one um, because Riviera is now going to be my new Disney home. I just haven't gotten there yet. 
but I want to know what it smells like. So here we go. Um, anyway, my son has this lotion that he that smells like um, ocean flight. And I'm in the middle of listening to the podcast with you guys, and he comes downstairs this morning to go to school, and he has it on, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, my beach club. Where is it? <laughs> I weirdly, I weirdly go smell my son, <laughs> which is just goofy, but, you know, I'm his mom, so whatever. Um, anyway, so uh, that's my favorite smell. Um, it, it takes me back, and I could ride Flight of Passage over and over and over and over again. And dare I say, for me, Flight of Passage is higher on my list than Rise of the Resistance. I probably just upset a lot of people, but it's it's my absolute number one. It's my number one attraction, number one smell. I love it. I can't get enough of it. Actually, I put the wax melt on all day in the basement when I'm working with the dogs. So, yeah, thanks, Lisa. I'll, I'll be ordering more. <laughs> and it was so great to hear Tim. I just love him. Um, and that's it. Everybody make someone smile. Um, maybe I'll call again today. Who knows? I don't know. See you. Have a great day. Bye. Excellency, Her Royal Majesty, the Queen of Hearts.